We're talking Josh Allen, the trenches, and the Buffalo Bills status in the AFC now and in the future with special guest Nate Geary today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Well, folks, this is our last coming out of the bye week conversation. We've been doing this for years. We talked to three people during the bye week. We talked to Bruce Nolan, talked to Greg Thompson, and we talked to Nate Geary. And that's our guest today of WGR 550. We're going to talk Josh Allen. We're going to talk the trenches, and we're going to have a big picture conversation on the Buffalo Bills and where they are in this AFC right now. And in the future, Nate, thanks for being here, my guy. Joe, my pleasure. It is the uh, it's the tradition like no other. It's bi-week Locked On Bills episode. So I'm excited. I Listen, I love talking to you because I think we're a great contrast, right? I feel like I'm a very measured guy with, with mm-hmm. a lot of my thoughts. And, but you you are just – you will bring it. Key to the moment. You are that guy. So second, uh, second by second. That's right. I love that. Well, for you, I mean, I love that. <laughs> not for me, but I like that dynamic for yeah, you. So, so so let's do it. I'm going to ask you to do some things that require some big picture reflection. So this sure. should be good. Let's start with Josh Allen. Uh, I've talked with Greg, talked with Bruce. We haven't talked about Josh Allen. So you and I are going to talk about Josh Allen. Your thoughts on how he's playing this year. Um, and I'm kind of curious how much you put into the last couple of games and Joe Brady and his influence yeah. on the offense and just where, where you at? What's, what's your thoughts on Josh? He feels more difficult, harder and harder uh, this year, maybe as, as a tipping point, especially for the national people um, that may not get to watch every snap, um, but get to watch it in a vacuum, right? He feels like a harder and harder, like read each and every week, each and every year. And I think this year's the tipping point, because I think if you look at all of the statistics, he's on a uh, pace to, uh, to beat out his uh, best season in terms of passing yards. Uh, so he's on pace for a career high in passing yards. Um, he's second in the NFL in touchdown to turnover ratio, which is not something I think a lot of people uh, think of Josh Allen think of that's where he sits, but that's where he sits. Only one quarterback is ahead of him there. Um, and I think about overall, Joe, where he has been this year. And at, at times when you think about Josh Allen, you think about sort of the in-season roller coaster. It's, you know, high one week and low another week. And the highs and lows of Josh's career and from a week to week, season to season perspective, they, the lows sort of get pushed away because you look at the seasons at large, you look at the the bulk statistics, you look at the, the QBR, you look at the percentage of offense that he accounts for, and you see a guy, Joe, that is – one of, if not the best and most productive quarterbacks in the game. And frankly, one of the most productive quarterbacks over the last decade, two decades, as offense is continuing to sort of evolve and grow as the you got to have that 
to be a, a contender. Um, the Bills continue to be a team right at the top. Even uh, I, listen, I know the the Ken Dorsey era felt very confusing. Uh, who to blame for what? What are we really complaining about? This is a top five scoring team. This is a top five yardage team per play, EPA, all of these things. And it's like. It feels like you're taking crazy pills or trying to understand what's going wrong. Should we be expecting more? Should we be content with where we are? And I think with Josh Allen, you should always sort of be expecting more. And I think he puts that on himself, but I think his his value to the team, to the organization, to the league um, continues to to rise. And I think with those rising, with the rising value that he brings comes a, a certain expectation that you sort of have to set for yourself. In my opinion, I think Josh Allen's having another MVP season where he's not going to win the MVP. And I, I sort of just wonder if you look back at a couple of seasons, you look back at some of the previous MVP winners, you go back to that season that Lamar Jackson won the MVP and Josh Allen in 2020 has better aggregate numbers than that MVP season. He's got better numbers than, you know, Aaron Rodgers MVP season. Obviously Aaron Rodgers, doesn't throw double-digit interceptions, and that's something to consider. But Josh Allen's on pace for career-high and rushing touchdowns in a season where everyone's talking about them scaling back him as a runner. So I continue to think that he is such a difficult evaluation because of all of the things he does well. For whatever reason, he is amongst a small group of players that seem to be judged more heavily on the things he does wrong or the negatives mm -hmm. of his game, where I just think they outweigh the, the, the positives in the elite value stuff they so much outweigh any negative that Josh Allen brings to the field. And it's why I think that there's a level of this defense mechanism and this frustration. And you're seeing it with, with Dolphins fans right now, right? And how well Tua has played this year and really has kind of bucked all of the trends, all of the things that you would say against Tua. Can't stay healthy. Can't throw the ball to the outside. He's not a deep ball thrower. Um, it feels like you turn on the film and he is week by week, hasn't missed any games this year. He's remained healthy. Um, that offense is humming. He's throwing the ball down the field with accuracy and precision um, and all the th great things we knew about Tua. He's just evolved his game. And, and yet it still feels like the fan base has to week in and week out defend their quarterback. And I think, you know, the Bills – sort of feel and, and Bill's fans probably feel the same way about Josh Allen because it's like, what more does this guy need to do yeah. for you to get on the bandwagon of it's not just that he is as elite traits and elite talent is he's got elite production and it's week to week. And, you know, here's the, maybe the worst part about this conversation about Josh is I feel, and, and maybe this isn't a Josh conversation as much as it's a team or a coaching conversation, Joe, do you get this feeling now when you watch Josh Allen have a game like he had against the Eagles, when you watch these special performances, which he can pull out at any time? I get this anxiety now when I watch him start to, when he's percolating and you're like, mm, this is going to be one of those generational games where he's going to do mm -hmm. special things, make special throws all game long. Mm -hmm. And I get this anxiety like, this isn't good because it feels like the Bills are going to blow it. And like that is a, a sort of a, a sinking feeling. If you go to his, his statistics right now, he's got one game winning drive and one fourth quarter comeback. That's not telling the whole story, Joe. He's right. put this team in position time and time again against the Patriots, against the Broncos, um, against the Eagles. And yeah, were there a couple of plays? Would you like him to hit that touchdown and, and end that game and walk off the field? Absolutely. Um, would you like them to score with less time remaining in that Broncos game, with less time remaining in that New England game? Of course, these are all things, but like there is a certain point where your quarterback can't create the perfect scenario each and every time he's asked to do something, which is go down the field, put your team in a position, give yourself a lead and hope that your defense can hold the opposing offense out of the end zone or out of points. So you can walk off and win a football game. And I tend to lean towards, he has done everything 
that this organization has might have asked of them this season to put them in position to be nine and three, to be eight and four. Um, and I think there's been a lot of just fumbling in these 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 high stake moments. And I think he gets this unfair criticism where in the clutch, he's not clutch because they lose those games. But he is not the reason they lose those right. games, Joe. He right. is the reason they're in those games. So um, it's a frustrating, it's a, I mean, it's so hard to sit here and feel like you're evaluating someone as special as Josh Allen and then seeing the criticism and you're just like, it just doesn't make sense to me, Joe. So at the end of the day, this is, I think, one of his most special seasons. He's doing it with fans in the stands. Is this in 2020 anymore where you're getting optimal conditions and environment in every situation, away games, home games, you're getting the same consistent environment. He's going into Philadelphia in the rain and putting up unbelievable numbers and a performance for the decade. And guess who gets talks about? Jalen Jalen Hurts. Guess right. who gets talked about in that 2021 game? It's not – I mean, Josh Allen did – get to dominate some of that narrative a little bit after the season was over, but that game was about Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen. So it's just like every time he puts together these special, remarkable performances, he's the second act. And it's so frustrating, I think, as a Bills fan and as someone that covers the team and someone that watches him play in and play out. Part of me wants to say without being a jerk is that he kind of deserves better. I think that's fair. One thing that I, I, I've said a lot about Josh Allen is that I don't think he's going to be denied his entire career uh, from winning a Super Bowl. I think he's going to do it. I, I just, he has the look and feel and smell of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I think one thing that weighs heavily on our minds is the fact that Patrick Mahomes has already won two, right? Mm -hmm. And he won his first one at age 24. That's not normal, right? Like no, a, a lot of quarterbacks, it takes some time, whether that's Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Peyton Manning. Um, and, and of course the outlier random quarterbacks that sometimes win, whether it's a Joe Flacco or a Trent Dilfer or Brad Johnson or something like that, it's not normal to win them early. And so that, that gives me a lot of hope for Josh Allen as he matures in the NFL, as he evolves in the NFL, that his day is going to come. Um, but you wonder how much Sean McDermott, his defense, some of those game management decisions are going to get in the way of it happening. And I don't think the bills are going to move on from Sean McDermott. I don't think it's helpful for us to have that conversation, but as I consider, okay, what needs to change? What needs to happen? Well, I, I think Josh can certainly clean some things up, but I, I wonder if it's more about the other components of the operation than it is Josh Allen. That's the sense I get, Joe. And, and listen, I agree with you on the Sean McDermott conversation. It's not worth having because the outcome that we're talking about happening is not going to happen. So right. it, it makes that conversation both frustrating because you feel like you, you want better and, and you want in these moments that – and I think about uh, – Colin Coward does this very well, which is relating these complex sports analogies to real-world examples, like you know, bringing it to your job, right? And you think about – you know, all these moments where you feel like you're you're being micromanaged by your boss and then you're on a Zoom meeting in front of, you know, that's a million dollar Zoom meeting and all of a sudden you don't have that boss to micromanage you anymore. Well, then you sort of freeze up when you're looking for in those moments to be guided. Sometimes you just have to play football. And I think that you have such a opposing style from how Josh Allen plays to the rest of this team. And what I mean by that is when you ask Josh Allen to go play football, 
you're talking about a guy that can do whatever it takes on the field. He can make every single throw. He can make the plays that are going to show up on SportsCenter when you ask him to go play football. When you put too much on Josh, when you're asking him to process, when you're asking him to do too much, which is what I think Ken Dorsey's ultimate fault was, was asking him to process too much, to decide too much instead of just playing football. Um, I think that put him in a position where he wasn't playing his best football. He was thinking too much. You could just tell. Like, there were plays where he's got yards and yards of free space to run the football. And what was he doing in that moment? He was Hold thinking to himself, I got to, I got to throw the ball that yeah. I'm being told I need to throw the football. And now you're being, I think you're seeing a freer version of Josh, uh, a guy that isn't necessarily being asked to process in real time. Isn't being asked to, to wonder, is this the best version of myself running the football? I know I got to be a passer. And so when you look at this team and you look at Josh Allen, when he's asked to just go play football, he can be the best quarterback in, in the league. I don't know what the rest of this roster is when you ask them to just go play football because I feel like in these moments, you get the timeout. I know we, 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 you and I both, I think, during that time, the, the first timeout that, that, um, that uh, Sean McDermott took um, in that Philly game is not the ice to kicker. It's the timeout before that on third mm-hmm. down or fourth down or something. Not, it's, I think it's a third and medium play. And you get that third down And instead of going out and playing football, you're hyper analyzing everything that can go wrong and will go wrong in that play. Here's what we want to do. Here's how we want to do it. Instead of letting these guys go play football in that timeout happens over and over and over in these tight situations. We saw it in the Chiefs game in the AFC champion or the AFC divisional round game. Um, you see it um, in these tight moments where they call a timeout and they want to overanalyze the moment instead of just letting them go play football. And I'd be interested to see what this team does when they just go play football instead of overthinking these situational plays and situational moments. And um, I think for me, the thing about this team and where they're going, and we'll get into that obviously with the the, the status of now and the future later on in this segment. But I, I just think about, I agree with you that I, I, I would be, it would be such a disappointment, not just for Bills fans. But for the NFL, for Josh Allen not to even get to a Super Bowl, it's not just the pressures that, you know, Patrick Mahomes winning at the age of 24, which I agree with you is not normal. Most of these quarterbacks aren't getting to the Super Bowl until they're 28, 29, 30, 32 years old. Peyton Manning didn't get back to a Super Bowl until he was well, he was very old in his career. Um, 30 to 39. Yeah. 30 so, was the first one, 39 the second one. Yeah, man. I mean, and that's, and, and do you expect Josh Allen to play into his age 39 season? I don't know. I would tell you, though, one of my main concerns, Joe, is is I agree with you that he's got the type of game that should be around a while. He's got the arm strength. That's not going to go away overnight. But what my fear is for this franchise is that this window that he's currently in, his age 24 to 28 seasons, are really going to be the prime years of his career. The things he's able to do, all the things at a high level, running the football, um, being a guy that can extend plays, has that physicality. At age 31, I'm not only going to not want Josh Allen to be leaping over linebackers, and I'm not going to want him, um, you know, going head toe to toe with a safety and putting his shoulder down to get that extra yard. I don't, it's not even that I don't want him to do those things at age 31. It's, I don't know how scalable that is for him at age 31, age 32. Um, so to get the most out of your quarterback right now um, in this window is super important to me. And I, I'm, I feel disgusted about the fact that you look at the AFC 
playoff picture the way that it is with five backup quarterbacks. Um, and the, it's very possible the Bills won't even be in the show to get to the to the Super Bowl. They may have ne- they may never have. And stop me. I feel like I've said this before, but I really mean it this time. They may never have an easier route to a Super yeah. Bowl than they do this year. And I think that's the really discouraging part about how well he's playing, how well the offense is playing, the emergence of Dalton Kincaid, Stephon Diggs continuing to do what he does, the emergence of James Cook, the emergence of Khalil Shakir, the offensive line, like everything offensively you feel like is in place and injuries and, and these situational things on the defensive side of the ball have really um, put this, this organization in a tough spot this year. There's no doubt. All right. We are going to focus on the trenches and a big picture AFC conversation here in just a moment. But folks, if you're anything like me, holiday shopping stresses you out. You're always trying to find a meaningful gift for your friends and family members, but that can be challenging. You're trying to be thoughtful but you want to come away with something that isn't overly complicated. Well, there is a gift for you that you need to check out that is so easy to gift, and everyone will think you spent hours personalizing it, and that's the Skylight Digital Picture Frame. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame that you can send photos to straight from your phone, and they appear in seconds. You can even preload photos before the box is open so that when it's unwrapped and plugged in, your most treasured memories will appear. It is literally the perfect gift for anyone. And satisfaction is guaranteed. They are confident. Skylight is confident that you're going to love the product that they offer a free 120-day return policy. And also as a special limited time offer for our listeners, you can get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash locked on. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash Locked on. That's S K Y L I G H T F R A M E dot com slash locked on. All right, Nate Geary, let's talk about the trenches. You know, quarterback play is important. So is O line, D line play. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the offensive side of the football. What have you liked about this O line and where do you think it can certainly get better? Listen, I think they can always be better in the run game. Um, This is not an offensive line built to be a road grading downhill offensive line. Um, But what I will say is the addition of of Connor McGovern has been huge for them. He has been, I think, a a bright spot along an offensive line that has a ton of bright spots. So Cyrus Torrance um, has been the anchoring he did in that in that game against Philly, against the Jalen Carters and uh, the the Fletcher Cox of the, I, I I walked away. He stuck out on film. It's hard for offensive linemen to stick out on film. Um, just ask anybody that watches. You're watching where the ball's going. You're not necessarily watching the offensive line unless you're a trenches guy. I found myself like captivated uh, by the anchoring jobs that he was doing against guys that are that are huge, that are dominant players in the league on the interior defensive line. So the interior of this offensive line has taken such a step forward from where it was a year ago with Saffold and, and Ryan Bates, a player that I like in Ryan Bates, so I think is probably the future as your starting center, um, if this is sort of Mitch uh, Mitch Morse's last run, I'm, I'm not predicting that, but you know we're getting closer and closer to that time. Um, he's still playing at a really high level, though. And the step up we've seen from Spencer Brown, I think this team and organization banked on that step up. I think a lot of us were very skeptical, and rightfully so. Um, but listen, I mean, that's why some of these coaches, they get paid the big bucks. I think Aaron Cromer has done a fantastic job of 
helping Connor McGovern uh, transition from a very different scheme in Dallas to a very different scheme here in Buffalo. Um, and that transition has been seamless. Um, I think Deion Dawkins has sort of retaken his position as a top 12 um, you know, left tackle in the NFL. And again, I, I want to hammer home the, the point about Spencer Brown. I, I was a critic of, of not really insulating him with um, and, and, and hedging your bet a little bit on him taking a step. I, I don't only think that Spencer Brown has taken a step. I think he's moved into startable territory, a guy that you can not necessarily rely to be a top 12, top 15 player at his position, but be a serviceable starter with, you know, high upside and athletic ability uh, under a rookie contract that's very palatable. You need players like mm-hmm. Spencer Brown in a Super Bowl window. You need guys in the third, fourth, and fifth round to be starters that are making very little money um, that can provide starting caliber value to your lineup. And I think he does exactly that. And you get another year of him um, on that rookie deal. Um, and and I think you really like where you are moving with this offensive line moving forward. Uh, if you can continue the continuity, they've had – very good injury luck this year. The same yeah. lineup um, all year to start games. Um, that's pretty rare in the league with how many guys get rolled up on and the uh, the luck that goes into having your offensive line stay stay intact all season. Um, but all in all, I think they've 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 been a little lucky with luck uh, with with injury luck. Um, they've taken steps on the interior offensive line. Like I, I look at McGovern and I look at Osiris Torrance. I think you have your interior offensive line squared away for the next three or four seasons. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Deion Dawkins contract. Uh, you know, he's going to be a guy over the next couple of seasons that you're talking about, you know, do you extend him? Um, how can we make his, you know, cap hit a little bit more palatable, so on and so forth. And then, you know, is, is Spencer Brown here for the long haul? I, you don't have to make a decision this season. You don't have to make a decision this offseason. Um, he's got that extra year of the rookie deal. Um, and then you make a decision and assess that moving forward. So where they are on the offensive line, I, I don't want to tell you that it's night and day from last year, but it's pretty darn close, Joe. Yeah, I think the stable guard play has been huge. Saffold. I think took a lot away from Dawkins at, at left tackle. I thought so too. And then, and then of course, you know, your, your right guard's been a revolving door for the last five years. Um, so it's nice to have some stability there with Torrance and what he's doing with Spencer Brown. Nate, I missed the days where Spencer Brown and Terrell Bernard were the biggest questions we had about this football team. <laughs> that feels they no like longer long. are. Yeah. Yeah, so it, yeah. That's, that's why you got to play it all, all out and see what happens. How about the defensive line? Um, I know that Von Miller is obviously a, a talking point here with him not really coming back from injury and looking anything like himself, not to mention uh, the arrest situation. Um, but overall, some good, right? Daquan Jones injury certainly impacts things, but at Oliver, a bright spot, maybe some depth concerns. Your thoughts on this D-line? Yeah, going into last offseason, the talk about this was going into 2024, you had no interior defensive lineman under contract. I think it was a scary proposition um, for this organization. It's not just something that was a talking point amongst fans. I'm sure that was a primary talking point inside One Bill's Drive. Um, I have absolutely loved the game and, and the step up I've seen this year from Ed Oliver. When that contract was signed, I thought there was a very good possibility that that would be a discount contract if he could play to his ceiling. We've seen at times we have not seen consistently from Ed Oliver, and he's got a career high in sacks with five games remaining. Um, I thought I was very nervous that his early season success was heavily dependent on Daquan Jones and how well he was playing. And then Daquan Jones goes out of the lineup and Ed Oliver remained the same player. Um, He has taken his game to new heights. Um, He's healthy. He's dependable. Um, And he borderlines a leader uh, on that defensive line. I've been really impressed um, with, with Ed Oliver this season and, the stabilization, um, the, getting a stabilized veteran. I, I do not. Everybody talks a lot about um, 
you know, going out and getting Rasul Douglas. I think that was a home run hit for the Bills. They got him on a, 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 a cheap compensation, and he's got a year left under his contract. And I think he's your CB1 this year for the remainder of this year and next year. I don't think that we give enough credit to Brandon Bean in the signing of Linval Joseph. He has been such an he a lot of he was met with a lot of snark by you know the the people on Twitter. Oh, he's a 38 year old interior defensive lineman. What could what could they possibly be expecting? Well, he walks in uh, after basically a day of practice and plays 40 percent of their snaps uh, as their one tech and has been a I think a solidifying force for this defensive line. I was worried about this run defense. They've been fantastic yep. since Linval Joseph's been in the lineup. So um, I think they're set. And then the, the, the obvious hope is that maybe you get to Quan Jones for a, a stretch run here towards the end of the season. And then you're working with, I think, kind of like found money. Um, if you can get to Quan Jones back and healthy and, and have him and Linval as your, as your one technique, I think you finally feel like you've got some size and depth at the one technique position. Um, behind Ed Oliver, Tim settles up and down. It's kind of been his, his MO since he's gotten here. Um, he flashes. Um, and I don't know where I am with Jordan Phillips. Um, I think lightning in a bottle is the word that I would use when the Bills brought him midseason back. Um, it has not been the same for Jordan Phillips. Obviously, injuries hampered him last year. That shoulder injury really, really held him back last year. I find myself now wondering, is he entering like Jerry Hughes territory where it's hard to trust him on the field because he's making one or two 15-yard mistakes Every week, mm. personal foul penalties, the offsides penalty that you know draw the drew the ire of um, of Jason Kelsey um, after that game. I, I don't know where you are with Jordan Phillips. I, I, this is his last two raw here. Um, they're going to need to find, I think, a, a formidable replacement for him next year. Um, he's had a disappointing campaign. I, I was expecting more from Phillips coming off of injury. It hasn't gone well for him this year. Um, so I think all in all, in the defensive line. You got at Oliver. Can you get to Quan Jones under contract for another year? Can that look good for you? Can that be a team-friendly deal? Um, those are the questions I have for the future of the position. And then the edge. Um, I think you've gotten unbelievable returns from uh, from Leonard Floyd. That's that's a guy to me that's priority number one in re-signing this offseason. Um, having another – he just does what he does, which is walks off the bus and has nine, nine and a half, ten sacks every single season. Um, and it's a guy that is aged – this was a guy that was really raw, didn't really know how to play with his body coming out of college. And, you know, in Chicago, it didn't really work out. And then he goes to the Rams and something unlocked for him um, in that defense. And I think when you when he plays next to um, a really good penetrating defensive tackle, three technique like Ed Oliver, it really unlocks his um, his game. I think he fits very well on the same side as Ed Oliver. So I love what you have there in Floyd. I like but don't love Gregory Rousseau. I like what he brings. I do think that there's probably a conversation about his injury hampering him a little bit. This defense requires an edge setting run defending defensive end that will allow a guy like Leonard Floyd to go do his thing. Mm -hmm. So with that, I recognize that role. I think it's important. And if you're talking about edge setting defensive ends, run, you know, run defenders, find me a handful of guys that are better at that than, uh, than, uh, than, than Gregory Rousseau is. He is formidable as that type of player in this defense. I do think there's maybe still some ceiling there, Joe, for him to be a more um, like maybe consistent pass rusher. He's got to find those moves. Um, mm -hmm. But I think if the next two years you have Leonard Floyd and Gregory Rousseau as your, as your two edge rushers, you feel really good about that. Um, and, you know, I think Shaq Leonard's or Shaq Lawson's probably on, on kind of his last breath as well here with this organization. He's been good at times when he, when he needed him to be um, Kingsley, Jonathan has been, 
really good when given the opportunity to play high motor, doesn't have that high end athleticism, but as a guy that you can trust out on the field, um, frankly, with Von Miller, assumably going out of the lineup now, I think he's on his way to the commissioner's exemplist. We'll see that's speculation. That's not me knowing anything, but um, I hope that opens up some more reps for him. And then the guy that I feel like maybe I should have teed this off and started with it is AJ Epinesa, who is having a career season. Um, is what I think they imagined he could be when they drafted him and said, we need you to cut 25 pounds. We want you to be this type of player. And I think there was some resistance from AJ Epinesa. I think there was some concern from his perspective of, I've been this guy my whole career. It's what got me drafted. And now you guys want me to fundamentally change my body type, how I play. And I think since he's bought into that program, you're seeing the results. He He's going to get paid this offseason, um, whether it's by the Bills or someplace else. He's going to get you know, middle of the road edge rusher of money. He's going to get nine, 10, $11 million a year, I think. And I think he will have earned it. He's really, yeah. um, really stepped up his game. It's great to see from AJ. He's a great guy, great guy in the locker room. Um, he's been, he's been really good for this organization. I don't know if I'd go that high. I, if somebody wanted to pay him nine, 10, 11, I'd say, go get it, bud. But for five people, to six, people pay for sacks, yeah. man. They do. They pay for sacks. I know. So we could be watching the end of AJ Epinesa in Buffalo, but I, I agree with a lot of your assessment there from the defensive line. I still think some of those late game moments, right? If you kind of yeah. had, you're missing that guy, right? That one guy that the pass protection just doesn't have a plan for and really just closes, finishes, right? What you wanted Von Miller to be, what he for was 10 for games the, for that's 10 games. What, yeah. That's what he was for 10 oh, games. There's no doubt. That's unfortunately still missing. All right, Nate and I, we're going to talk big picture AFC. Where do the Bills fall into this landscape now and into the future? So stick with us. But folks, you got to check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the funnest, most exciting, easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is awesome. It's just you against the numbers. It's not you against thousands of other players, including pros and including sharks. It's just you versus numbers. Here's what you do. You select two or more players. You pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. Doesn't take long. Picks can be made in under a minute. And then when you win, the withdrawals are super, super quick. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Folks, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app, super easy to use, and there's a ton of different things that you can bet on, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Nate Geary, Buffalo Bills, your six and six Buffalo Bills that are currently the 11th seed in the AFC playoffs. We know that there's going to, they're going to need to win four or five of these games, right? To get in. But you look up at these standings and you see, like you mentioned, backup quarterbacks, teams that are carried by defense, some challenging schedules. Now, step one is the Bills taking care of their business. Yeah. I think they're going to get the help. The bigger question is, can they go in four or five out of the next five games? That's really where I think the – listen, I, I would rather them – I think they'd rather this – win their five games here the, over the final stretch, and they're in. There's no question if they're It in. is that simple, yes. It's that simple. Win five, 
against uh, I, I think again a good perf- I mean it, it's going to be difficult opponents all the way through um other than New England but, but you already lost England. to them so. so um I'll say this Joe is at 10 and 7 uh I got a lot of questions on whether they need a lot of things to go right for them um I know there's injuries out there that that are, that are there um but you look at the Indianapolis Colts schedule you look at the Browns schedule you look at the the Texans schedule you look at even the Bengals schedule now who with Jake Browning after last night going in and putting 34 on a defense the Bills had just all sorts of problems putting points up against um so I to me Joe 11 wins get you you're in and and you got no sweat you're not worried about it and frankly um at 11 wins you might still and that week week 18 game might be for the division um based on how the rest of the schedule plays out for the dolphins at the end of the season so um yeah i i, I look at this joe and i say this is a difficult stretch of football and if they do win five games if they win four out of five and they make the playoffs no one's going to want to play the bills on the road the yep. bills will be a position where they did something they haven't done all year which is string together four wins five wins and be the hottest they've been all year we've talked about this we always talk about this is the bills the last couple of seasons in these in this quote unquote super bowl window right have tend to peak at the wrong time um they've not peaked in january they peaked in january in 2021 when they went on that run and they have that game um in in um uh in kansas city right where they peak towards the end of the season they have that game at home against uh, the new england patriots and they go on the road go to arrowhead and, and josh allen and that offense puts up that performance and you're thinking man this is the best that offense has ever played they peaked at the right time the last couple of seasons, it feels like the Bills were peaking in October, peaking in November, and not playing great football going into December and going into January. And I think this gives them an opportunity to do it the right way, get hot at the right time, and go play a team with a backup quarterback. Go play um, you know, a banged-up Jacksonville team. Go play um, a banged-up Dolphins team, right? And, and maybe you get to play those guys three times. So I look at all this, Joe, and I say the route has never been better for them. Can they win four out of five? Can they win five straight? I want to tell you that I want to believe they can. And maybe Joe Brady changes some of this for me. Um, I don't know that. I, I think about the Cowboys matchup. I think about the Chiefs matchup. But I think about the Dolphins matchup. You're going to have to ask your quarterback and your offense to play perfect games in all three of those games. They played a almost perfect game. What do you say? Like an A minus, a, a 91 performance against the Eagles, and it wasn't enough. Um, they have to be perfect because of where this defense is in terms of injuries. That makes me concerned. That gives me anxiety that can you piece together five consecutive A plus performances? Now, do they need to put an A plus performance against New England? No. Do they need to put an A plus performance against uh, the LA Chargers? Not after what I saw this week. Um, but three of those five, Josh Allen's going to have to play how he played in Philadelphia. And even then, Joe, they might still lose. And I think that's the heartbreaking, anxiety-ridden part of this whole thing is even at their best, it feels like they might not be able to get this done. And I think that sucks for Bills fans. I, But this is a situation they put themselves in. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have 12 men on the field. You've got a little bit to burn here over this course. You could lose two and still make the playoffs. Um, but they lost the games that were supposed to be the games that they were supposed to put yeah. themselves in a position to lose a couple here at the end of the season. So if I was betting on this, no, I would not bet that the Bills win four or five of these games um, against the Cowboys, against the Dolphins. I, I think those two alone, the Bills are going to have a really tough time. And that goes without saying, can they win an Arrowhead, which is not easy. They did it last year, 
But last who are the guys? Years. Who are the guys that sealed it last year, Joe? Taron Johnson and Matt Milano and Von Miller. And two of the three of them you don't have. Right. So that to me is is really it's tough. Now Kansas City's not playing great. They're definitely not playing the 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 level of football that would um, you know lend me to believe that they're going to be back in the Super Bowl this year. But they've got Patrick Mahomes at any point mm-hmm. he can just start going off, and that's how I feel about Josh Allen and the Bills. But if I were a betting man, Joe, no, I, I'm not. I'm not betting the house that the Bills are are going to do something they have not proven to me this year right. that they can do, which is go on a run and win four or five straight. Not to mention Kyrie Elam picking off Patrick Mahomes in the in the end in the red zone, right in, huh. in that uh, that one How from last year. We forget, <laughs> right? Dawson Knox, the game winning touchdown, That's right? right? That's so, right. So, <laughs> where are these guys, Nate? Where, 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 what are they doing? Really- um, we didn't really. I mean, you kind of meant we're we're sort of conceding the division, right? I feel like the Dolphins are going to win this. Division. I think for the most part, yeah. Yeah, they're going to beat the Titans and the Jets. I think the Dolph- Dolphins have an athletic ceiling that makes them incapable of losing those games, right? Because Tyreek Hill is going to have a big touchdown. Regardless. They're going to be able to stress them too much with that offense, even if their defense isn't all the way there. I think they'll be able to score enough that they're not going to lose to a crap team, right? I think that's what they've proven to us. And the Bills are certainly capable. They've, they've proven to us that as well. And I think that's the big difference. That's why Miami is 9-3, and three, the number one seed in the AFC. That's right. Because they've won the games they're supposed to win, right? I mean, yeah, the yep, big talking 100%. point is they can't beat good teams. Okay, they're nine and three, the number one seed, because they win the games they are supposed to win. They got a chance to play the Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills their last three games. And that's your path for the Bills. The Bills win out, and the Dolphins lose all three of those games. All right. Yep. And and so I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But the the interesting question to, that I want to kind of take this conversation to close it out is. The Bills won the division three years in a row, and I didn't think this was going to be the year that they didn't win. <laughs> Same. Is this a new thing? Like, do you feel like Miami has staying power on top of the East? I know that they have a ton of questions, like their their cap situation. They got Wilkins as an expiring contract. There are three starters on the O-line, Austin Jackson, who's become really good for them, Kyle Williams, Robert Hunt. Um, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Tua long-term. Uh, Xavier Howard, right? Like, is is this his last hurrah? Like, there's there's Javon Holland's going to need an extension. They've got questions, but is this is this as simple as the Bills? You know, they shot themselves in the foot with some ridiculous losses, and they're going to be right back in this thing. Or do you have legitimate concern about Miami as now the team that everyone's looking up to in the East? I, I might want to also sprinkle in the fact that it's very possible the New England Patriots end up with one of Drake May and or Caleb Williams, which could throw another. But do they still have Bill Belichick? Williams. Because if they still have Bill Belichick, they can. And who just cares? It's yeah. Who cares? It won't who matter. Cares? Yeah. Um, but here's what I'll say about the Dolphins: is I think they're a roster. To your point, I think there's a lot of questions. You know, I, I don't think they're. I think Christian Wilkins is walking this this off season. Um, uh, to your point, Javon Holland. How about Jalen Waddle is going to need a contract extension here pretty soon as well. Um, and he's going to be a guy that's going to co command number one money if he doesn't get resigned there. Um, you mentioned Javon Holland. You, when and Jalen Ramsey's got a big cap hit at an aging. He's an aging cap hit. Um, with coming off of multiple years with injuries. Um, and then you talk about, you know, Jalen Phillips. That's going to be a really difficult decision coming down the hall here. Now with him off, off an Achilles injury. Yeah. Uh, when They're going to make the fifth-year decision as well this offseason for him. That's right. right. And, you know, you mentioned the offense. Austin Jackson's going to get paid top dollar. I mean, he's turned into a legitimate blindside offensive lineman. It's huge for them. Um, are they going to have to move on from Terran Armstead? Probably. He can't stay healthy. Um, and you mentioned Connor Williams is one of the best pass blocking centers in the league. Um, So they've got a whole bunch of, I think, uncertainty in the cap. But here's what I'll say. As our friend Greg Thompson always says, 
There's always money. They got in it. They got it. Yeah. They'll figure out ways. I think Chris Greer has drafted very well. Sneakily has drafted very well the last couple of seasons. Um, and they're always in it in free agency. So, um, you know, am I concerned about them long-term? Absolutely. Can Tua stay healthy? That's a big concern of mine. Can he remain? Are, is this lightning in a bottle? Is he get? By the way, Tua's going to get $50 million. You learned how to fall, Nate. He, he did, did learn how to fall. We joke about it, but he did. You learned how to fall. We talked about Waddle and Holland and, and and you know, Austin Jackson and, and all these players. Tua's going to get paid $50 million, Joe. Yeah. That's 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 the skinny. Uh, that's the plain and simple of it. And they're going to have to pay him that money um, because he stayed. He did everything that that yep. franchise oh, wanted him to do and no more yeah. to get paid. And he's going to get paid with the elite of the elite. And that went, when that happens, Joe, start the stopwatch. Because everything else gets harder. Just ask Brandon Beat. It all gets harder when your quarterback is making that type of money. So I think for me, um, absolutely, they're the most formidable threat in this division for the Bills, both now and long term. Um, and and I think for the Bills, the Bills have some really difficult decisions themselves to make, Joe. They're going to have to do a mini roster rebuild um, this offseason. They're going to have to move off of the aging safeties. Love them to death. They're going to have to get better at safety and get younger at safety. They're going to have to try to do some things um, on the defensive line to find some youth, but find players that you can rely on. Um, and frankly, too, the Bills have some, I think, difficult questions about what they're going to do with Dawson Knox this offseason, um, what they're going to do at wide receiver, too, because I don't think Gabriel Davis is coming back. So um, similar questions exist for the Bills that do the Dolphins. I guess the question at the end of the day, Joe, is rosters are similar. Maybe there's a couple areas you really like the Dolphins more. Tyreek Hill doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon, by the way. All right, he's retiring at 30, though, so we have that to yeah, look forward yeah, to. Yeah, sure. Um, I say this, Joe, and, and I say this with <laughs> respect to Tua because he has changed my mind about what I believe he is as a ceiling player in the NFL. If you give me the opportunity to pick between Josh Allen and Tua every year, give me Josh Allen every single season. So um, Who wouldn't, that, though? You know what I mean? Like, right. I, and I've been, a, I've, been a, no, I've been a Tua defender to the point where people got pissed at me like three, four years ago that I was not willing to bury the guy Tua, he's in a great situation. That yes. scheme, he's got the speed everywhere. They win with leverage. He's accurate, a quick processor, his ball handling and the RPO. Like it's a perfect spot for him. Does he elevate those players? I don't think so. No, probably. You know, I, I think he's yeah. elevated by the scheme. And I think he's elevated by the speed and Hill and Waddle. And so I think the, while you're going to pay him top money, yep, you have to find and make sure that he's got Hill and Waddle and those speed at running back in that scheme. And, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't pay him because I think he's the perfect trigger man for that offense. Agreed. But he's he's not elevating it. Yeah, is is he going to be able to elevate another wide receiver too when Jalen Waddle inevitably gets paid twenty million dollars a year um, in the next two seasons, right? So then, and of course, they've got triggers, they've got ways to keep him around as long as they possibly can. But uh, Joe, I, I'm with you hundred percent. He's the he's the right guy for that situation. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, if you ask him asking him to elevate Braxton Berrios, if you're asking him to elevate, um, you know, I don't know Gabriel Durst Davis, uh, right? Yeah, some of these players, yeah. I you know, he he is. And I want to be as respectful as possible to him because I do really respect his game. I respect what he's done in the league, what the, the type of game he's carved out for himself. Um, and I've come real full circle with Tua. I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit um, I did not think he was an NFL quarterback. Um, I was wrong. He's not just an NFL quarterback. He is an elite, precise thrower um, when put in the right situations. And I think so far this year, Mike McDaniels is is flipped all the right switches. He's put them in all the right situations, um, but it will get harder in the playoffs. It will get harder. Tell you what though, Joe, they get the number one seed and they get the buy. Huge. 
Everyone's coming to Miami. The AFC goes through yeah, Miami. That, that offense doesn't have to travel. Yeah, have to go man. play anywhere cold or loud. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, man, it could big. be really big. Um, yeah. and I, I, I don't, I don't want to make any Bills fans, you know, any more anxious about the remaining part of the season as possible. But the the Dolphins get to the Super Bowl before the Bills. Uh, Twitter's yeah. going to be a deathscape for months. For months. Win or lose. Win or lose. Nobody, nobody's personally responsible. You're not. Nobody's responsible that for the bills other than the bills nobody's responsible That's for right. dolphins so like when it's if it happens it happens but they they have a path to do it they're the one seed right now That's right they control their destiny right now so we'll see um yeah i think the bills are going to be back i think they're going to be okay um I think so but too. but yeah the off seasons are going to really dictate that and and who's right about stuff and you know i think bean's been right about a lot of things but he's got some albatrosses right now in yeah. von miller and Dawson Knox and Kyer Elam as a recent first round pick that doesn't look like he's going to help the team. Right. So you've got some problems and who's going to be more right in the off season. And then of course the application in games, right? Which coach is going to pull the right levers at the right times. And now Sean McDermott's not doing a great job of that. So there's a lot at stake. I don't think the bills are going to turtle away and be bad, um, but they got to, they got to rally here the rest of the season and kind of moving forward to stay, you know, one of the elite teams in, not just the NFL, but the AFC, uh, because right. it's looking different with Houston, with Jacksonville, and what they have going on. Yep. Um, you know, if the Jets ever get a quarter, I don't know. The J- I, maybe the Jets are just never going to be good again in my lifetime. I'm interested in what Indianapolis can do with a high ceiling quarterback. Sure. When Anthony Richardson is right. fully healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good roster. Um. Yeah. And the Browns, if Deshaun Watson ever returns back to form, I mean, the that's Chargers. A- what if the Chargers yeah. get a coach? Right. Yeah. Right. Again, it's it's what makes this so maddening is thinking about all of these teams that are in the should have category, and the Bills have that right there. Will they're yep. just ready to go? They just to me, the Bills are uh, remind me of the team that just get there, just find a way, seven seed, backdoor it, whatever yep. you have to do, get to the tournament because anything's possible when you yeah, get you there. can you can blow the whole thing up. I promise right. you, nobody wants nobody. to play the Bills in the playoffs. Absolutely not. Nobody. Could you imagine? You're the two seed in the AFC, and you draw the Bills, not not the Steelers or the Texans right. or the Browns or the Colts or the Broncos. You host the Bills. Yeah, nightmare. Sign me up, Nate Geary. But the Bills got to go out and do it. There's nothing I right. can do. So we, we'll do what we can here. We'll talk about it here on this podcast. That's right. We will. We'll talk about it. <laughs> All right, dude. I appreciate you, man. Uh, great pleasure, conversation buddy. per usual. Uh, enjoy the winter coming your way. I know you won't be able to hit the golf course, so you're going into like the the Nate Geary depression here for indeed for a while. So, indeed. um, you know, come come down south and hit hit some golf balls any anytime you want to. Say less, brother. All right, Nate. Nate, appreciate you being here. Appreciate you guys for listening to this podcast. As always, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great rest of your day. We're going to focus our attention the rest of the week on the Bills matchup against the Chiefs. So stick with us, go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.